Amid the growing Chinese threat, the defense ministry wants to create a new agency for mobilizing reserves in the event of a crisis. Under its plan, the agency will be responsible for mobilizing reserve sol soldiers and civilian forces, like volunteer firefighting squads. The defense ministry also wants to amend the law to add new categories of civilians to the call-up list. One category could potentially be volunteers at local temples. Temple volunteers already assist in disaster relief, for instance, by providing food for victims. Temples also provide their facilities to police, firefighters and the military when necessary. TSMC founder Morris Chang drew a big crowd at his first public address of the year on Wednesday. Speaking at the Taipei Forum, Chang gave his view on why Taiwan is successful in the global chip sector. The 89-year-old also told the story of how Intel once refused to invest in TSMC as it didn't see profits in a chip manufacturing business. Business leaders, including TSMC's founder and Pegatron chairman Tong Zixian, were in the lineup of a Taipei Forum on Wednesday. The event drew some 500 participants. The 89-year-old Chang delivered a keynote on Taiwan's strengths in semiconductor manufacturing. Intel, the previously mighty Intel has announced it also wants to enter the foundry business. To us, this proclamation comes off as quite ironic. Back then, they too would not have thought they'd want to do wafer manufacturing someday. Chang recalled how when TSMC was being founded, he had sought investment from Intel but was rejected. Today, Intel finds itself in an ironic position of taking up a business it once burned. Chang said that TSMC has come a long way. Taiwan's strengths are its talent and its operational and managerial abilities. Chang compared the semiconductor sectors of the U.S., China and South Korea. He said U.S. semiconductor firms rely on subsidies, which boost short-term competitiveness but don't guarantee longevity. As with Chinese firms, he said they are no rival to TSMC. Samsung is TSMC's biggest rival. Why? Because South Korea's strengths in chip-making are similar to Taiwan's. Nicknamed Taiwan's Sacred Mountain, TSMC plays a pivotal role in Taiwan's economy. Speaking on whether a second Sacred Mountain could rise in the future, Chang said it would depend on long-term stable development and not on short-term changes. He called on the government, society and TSMC to work together to preserve Taiwan's strengths in the industry. A Taipei think tank has raised its 2021 GDP growth forecast to 4.8 percent. This latest projection by the Zhonghua Institution for Economic Research is more than one percentage point above its forecast last year. There are three main reasons for the upward adjustment. The first reason is that our foreign trade is continuing to expand and grow, as this year's global economic recovery beats expectations and drives exports. Another factor is vaccination campaigns that are helping to alleviate the pandemic. Cross-border entry and exit will gradually reopen, so the service sector will be on the rebound. The second reason is that domestic demand is rising steadily and private investment is continuing to increase. The third reason is that other institutions are optimistic about Taiwan's growth and have adjusted their forecasts. The think tank believes domestic demand will be especially hot this year, contributing 3.89% to the GDP. 
It forecasts a sharp economic boom in the second quarter, with GDP growth reaching 7.16%. The Cabinet's Consumer Protection Committee has a new crusade, cleaning up laundry detergent. Laundry capsules have found popularity in recent years, making clean clothes more convenient than ever. But several cases of children accidentally ingesting laundry capsules have highlighted their hazardous potential. The government has ordered companies to urgently improve the safety warnings on their labels. Laundry capsules are wrapped in a special membrane that dissolves on contact with water, producing lots of bubbles and washing clothes clean. They're very convenient, but with the resemblance to sugary jellies come added risks, and sometimes they end up being eaten by children. There's a big difference in how they're labeled in Taiwan and abroad. For example, the labeling abroad is very comprehensive. It says your child cannot eat it and cannot be allowed to consume it accidentally. But in Taiwan, it simply says, please store carefully in a cool, dark place. Statistics from the American Association of Poison Control Centers show that in the U.S. in the last eight years, there were at least 10,000 cases of children under the age of five eating laundry capsules reported annually. The same thing has happened in Taiwan, prompting an investigation by the Consumer Protection Committee. They found that of 32 laundry capsules on the market, more than half do not adhere to labeling laws. Some fail to state how the capsules are used or stored, or neglect other important warnings. We will support companies in rectifying these issues by a certain deadline. After this deadline, if they have not completed these rectifications, they may be fined between 20,000 and 200,000 NT, according to Article 15 of the Commodity Labeling Act. The Consumer Protection Committee warns the public to read detergent labels carefully. Don't pick a capsule up with wet hands, or it could start dissolving prematurely, irritating your skin. Above all, store it safely away from children. To thank Taiwan for its assistance at the 2011 Tohoku earthquake, Japan has organized an art exhibition in collaboration with the Taoyuan city government. The event is underway now at Taoyuan City Hall. Japan's de facto ambassador to Taiwan joined Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan on the tour of the exhibit on Wednesday. Illustrations by Japanese and Taiwanese artists are on display, each reflecting the enduring friendship between the two sides. The mayor of Taoyuan is here with Japanese envoy Izumi Hiroyasu. They take a turn about the first floor of Taoyuan City Hall, admiring the works on display as if in an art gallery. The two share conversation and laughter as they explore the exhibition. It's been 10 years since the 2011 Tohoku earthquake. To thank Taiwan for its help in the disaster's aftermath, Japan organized this illustration exhibit themed on the Taiwan-Japan friendship. We're starting off with the ever-popular manga sketches before continuing on to even livelier exchanges. We invited two manga artists to use illustrations to introduce Taoyuan and Japan, highlighting features like our airport and the Rakuta Monkeys baseball team. The exhibit showcases works by Japanese artists as well as Taiwanese artists, who depicted Taiwan and Japan's friendship cities. There are also portraits of President Tsai Ing-wen, Mayor Zheng and Japanese envoy Izumi. Even the Rakuten Monkeys and its cheerleading squad make an appearance. 
I included all the team members. I did a bit of research into the positions each one plays, and I captured some of their classic poses. I wanted to take these five cities' unique characteristics and present them in a more realistic and more concrete manner to express them in an integrated way. The exhibit showcases 80 Japanese and two Taiwanese artists. Each work celebrates the relationship between Taiwan and Japan, a solid and enduring friendship. Non-subsidized COVID vaccines rolled out on Wednesday at Taiwan hospitals nationwide. The shots, which cost up to 600 NT, are available to those not on the government's priority list for vaccinations. Even with the cost, demand was high on Wednesday, with many vaccine clinics fully booked. Officials say more vaccines may be released to those willing to pay out of pocket. What about the free subsidized vaccines? Officials say that they will be released to more priority groups, including police and military police, starting this Friday. It's day one of self-paid AstraZeneca vaccines. Over at Far Eastern Memorial Hospital, dozens of people turned up in the morning for a shot. I need to go abroad next month on business. Although there might be some side effects, I weighed the pros and cons. Since I'm going abroad to several countries, the risk of infection is greater than the risk of side effects. Getting vaccinated is safer than not. I mostly go to Japan, the U.S. or China. Over this period, we've mostly been communicating through conference calls. Over the last year, it hasn't been possible to communicate with clients directly, but speaking face-to-face -face really is better for business. Appointments were fully booked at more than a few vaccine clinics. At NTU Hospital and Mackay Memorial Hospital, more than 100 people turned up for shots. At Far Eastern Memorial Hospital, about 160 people got vaccinated. At present, of the slots we've made available, most of them are already booked. It looks like most of the people who booked a self-paid shot do have a reason to get it. So actually, the interest level is quite high. We'll coordinate with our doctors, arrange for them to help out a few days so that we can add extra clinics. So far, the government has released 10,000 vaccine doses for non-priority groups, and it could be fully booked as soon as the end of the week. The CECC says it may make more shots available for non-priority groups in the future. Meanwhile, interest in government-funded shots remains low. Officials say more priority groups will become eligible for free vaccines starting Friday. The day after tomorrow, we will add two new groups to the publicly funded vaccination program. Group number five includes law enforcement and personnel who maintain the normal functions of society, such as police officers and military police. Group number six covers personnel and people receiving care in the social welfare system, including long-term care facilities like nursing homes, care centers, daycare centers, and social welfare institutions. It also includes staff at correctional institutions, including prisoner escorts. As of Tuesday, more than 34,000 people have received an AstraZeneca vaccine in Taiwan, 5.6% of all people eligible for a shot. Heads up if you have an electric car. Starting in June, Taipei City is raising the price for parking at a charging station. Drivers of electric cars will pay 10 NT extra for every hour they're parked at a charging spot. And if they're parked there but not charging, it'll be another 20 NT extra per hour.
If your electric car is just parked there, not charging, you're affecting the rights of other electric vehicle owners. So we're hoping that this difference in fees will increase turnover in these parking spaces so that they're made available to people who need to charge. The city also plans to set up a smart barrier system to make sure only electric cars can park at charging spots. Taipei Mayor Ko Wenzhe has attracted headlines for a bright idea for lost umbrellas. After the mayor learned that Taipei Metro collects 50,000 misplaced umbrellas every year, he suggested they sell the lost items. Even at a super low price, that could raise a pretty penny for the transportation company. As Mayor Ke chatted to his schoolmate Li Wenzong, now chairman of the Taipei Metro Corporation, he learned the Metro collects over 50,000 lost umbrellas a year. At that, he had his bright idea. You should sort them out and then sell them for 5 NT each. Umbrellas lost by the public end up circulating in the love umbrellas boxes. You can see some of them are almost brand new. They haven't even had the plastic wrapping pulled off the top yet. Sometimes, as soon as they get put out, they're all gone in no time. Every month, each station collects a whole bucket of umbrellas of different shapes and sizes. A deluge of umbrellas, you might say. It's by far the most common lost item. Second is the electronic payment card, and identity cards come in at number three. The Taipei Metro collects about 300,000 lost items annually. We usually find more than 50,000 umbrellas. We will take the mayor's suggestions into consideration for our future operational planning. It looks like the idea has a chance of coming to fruition. For now, all umbrellas that are not claimed by their owner within 15 days go into the Love Umbrellas boxes to be used when in need and then passed on to the next person who could do with a hand. Taiwan has struck gold again at the Asian Weightlifting Championships in Uzbekistan. Just the day after Guo Xingchun's triple gold finish, 24-year-old Chen Wenhui pulled off the same in the 64-kilogram weight class. Chen snatched 100 kilograms and cleared 128 kilograms in the clean and jerk for a combined lift of 228 kilograms. With that, she scored three gold medals and took a big step closer to qualifying for the Olympics. The Asian Weightlifting Championships are a gold-level Olympic qualifier, meaning that they offer the most ranking points. Chen's top rival in her weight class is China's Deng Wei, who is so far ahead in ranking points that she skipped the Asian Championships. With her ticket to the Olympics guaranteed, she left the field open for Chen to sweep the tournament on Tuesday. Controversy recently erupted in Pingdong after a pro-diver found coral being moved about in the ocean off the Huntun Peninsula. He posted online expressing his concern about the strange finding and many were worried for the safety of the reef. But as it turns out, it's all part of a project to help coral adapt to climate change carried out by the National Museum of Marine Biology and Aquarium. A beautiful coral reef apparently marred by a series of white holes. These are spots where coral has been lifted off and stuck onto another reef or even onto a nearby tetrapod. I don't understand what method on earth would allow you to destroy a living thing and then plant it somewhere else and make it grow even more. 
This diving instructor was shocked, but we discovered the move was part of a project to help the reef adapt to climate change carried out by the National Museum of Marine Biology and Aquarium with Greenpeace funded by Kending National Park Administration. Using a well-established technique from coral aquaculture, they graft living coral from one location to another, helping regenerate the reef. First, we have to manually clean off using brushes the sand and the large algae or the caterpillar algae that is on the dead coral and would inhibit its regeneration. Then we graft living coral onto the dead coral to help it regrow. This coral expert explains that from 2016 to 2017, about a third of all global coral populations died due to unprecedented heat and man-made pollution. That prompted conservationists to move from passive to active methods. The coral near Ma'anshan nuclear power plant has experienced nine major bleaching events and has demonstrated an unusual resilience toward heat. That's why the project includes experimental grafting onto tetrapods. There's a larger surface area of tetrapods, so to cultivate heat-resistant coral, we're doing experiments on tetrapods. The National Museum of Marine Biology says it's already completed over 20 coral graphs, most of which are about 5 centimeters wide. They plan to expand the experiment to coral reefs nationwide, all under the careful scrutiny of environmental experts. It's tea harvest season, but farmers in Taidong are facing a labor crisis. In just a few short years, one township in Taidong has seen its tea-picking workforce shrink by over half as senior farmers retire with no replacements at hand. Tea farmers say the harvest is in jeopardy if not more workers don't join their ranks. But local officials say measures to encourage young farmers will help to resolve the crisis. Bamboo hats and floral scarves on heads, these tea farmers bend over tea trees. Their hands move too fast to track, fresh leaves piling up in their baskets. But looking farther afield, we see there are only a dozen or so farmers picking this whole farm. The tea pickers keep getting older, and young folk don't come and help pick. They don't like being out in the wind and the sun. Since we're getting older, we like to rest if we had the chance. We wish some youngsters could come and help with the picking. Really, we do. This is good work. It's quite free. Miss Tsai is the head picker. Her heavy words show the sadness behind the labor shortage. The average age of tea pickers here is now 65. They would retire if there was someone to take their place. It's tea season right now, and farmers are struggling to bring in the harvest, once more highlighting the lack of workers. We won't collect as much tea. If we can't pick the fresh leaves, we'll have to leave them because they'll be too old and no good for tea. So that will be a failed harvest for us. This tea farm in Luye Township, Taidong, is over 120 hectares large. The unique red oolong produced here is worth up to 20 million NT a year, but the lucrative industry faces a labor crisis. Three or four years ago, they could still count on over 500 tea pickers. This year, only 200 are still working. Quite a lot of second or third generation young farmers are coming back to the tea producing region. We will strengthen their training and education in tea cultivation, production and even in processing and firing at the end. This will allow fresh blood to keep coming into the tea industry. The Taidong Tea Research and Extension Center is well aware of the crisis. 
It's rolling out measures to encourage young farmers into the field, as well as to promote the use of technology to replace human labor, in hopes of keeping alive Taiwan's tea tradition.